From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and... Yeah, Adrian Broaddus is his name. Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, that's a first. I've never heard of Adrian's name getting cut off before that ended, but his name is Adrian Broaddus. You know his name. He's everywhere on this radio station. High school football, minor talk, sports talk, online. He goes out in public. He'll be at the district tomorrow. He'll be at UTEP after that. He'll go back to the district. I mean, come on, folks. He is the uh, he's a household name at this radio station. Let's give him some justice, and at least we'll get, make sure we get his name, um, you know, mentioned on the radio. That was weird. I never heard that one before, Adrian. Thank you, Steve. I actually just slipped. The, my my hand just slipped on the button. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll we'll take care of that for you. Hey, we got a lot to cover on the show today. Going to be a fun one. We know it's now official. By the way, Stanford, Cal, SMU, all this morning in the ACC. Effective 2024. And furthermore, the American Athletic Conference, the conference that SMU was in, said they will not pursue any school in the Pacific time zone. The Pacific time zone. Not to be confused with the Central, the Mountain, or the Eastern time zone. Although I did read a report that says that they will be targeting Army to replace SMU. They think it would be a nice compliment for Navy. They're on the East Coast. It kind of fits that East Coast profile. So, Adrian, um, they might not be looking to dip back into Conference USA where they just grabbed six schools. Instead, they might be looking at Army to be the school if Army would decide to leave their independent football status and go back to a conference for the first time in almost 20 years. And I could see that happening. I mean, it makes sense uh, from that perspective when you have that partner right there in the armed forces, in Navy. Uh, I think that makes some sense right there. Uh, Obviously, it doesn't make sense to poach Air Force from the Mountain West, all the exit fees that are involved there. It doesn't make sense to have some kind of a lateral move. Uh, But I think minor fans are probably scratching their heads when they hear the news of SMU. We've heard from them here on this show, and the reason is they've called in on this show and said, hey, at one time, UTEP, SMU were on the same level pretty much in everything, and they were in the same conference as well. Now SMU finds themselves in a Power 5, or or should we call it Power 4 conference here with the ACC? Um, Yeah, I say so. Power 4 is about right. That seems to be fair. Power 5s are gone. Now it's the Power Four. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, if there was that fifth team in the Power Five, or fifth conference, I should say, in the Power Five, you can't really name any because nope. you can make arguments for the Mountain West, maybe in basketball. You can make arguments for the A, uh, AAC in football, possibly, or you know, maybe the Sun Belt in football, whatever it might be. But yep. no, there's only four Power Conferences right now, and the ACC just added to theirs today. You're right. You're absolutely right. So, um, you know, hey, listen, I'm ready to go with that and kind of excited. So, you know, we'll we'll see exactly what happens now that the AACC is grown by three. Um, I think they're bracing themselves. I really do. I still think they feel they could lose at some point in time. Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina. And they want to make sure that if that happens, they're at the same number they are now. 
That's just that's just a, an opinion of mine. I feel like they're just maybe going out and preventing themselves from having to then look and add teams in the eleventh hour after a domino effect. That's at least that's kind of where I see this. I think that's smart too because you have to protect yourself as a conference. You have to set yourself up as a conference for the next uh, television deals once those negotiations start. So I think that's a really smart move by. Uh, the ACC and it's also smart from these other schools as well like Stanford instead of going independent I know a lot of people thought that that could be a route for them yep. they get that conference association they have that tie in with the conference and with that comes resources with that comes money with that comes all the revenue that you can get from those big TV networks and so this just gives the ACC a lot more ammo going into those next TV deals whenever those happen and it, it also allows them to remain relevant look at the three schools who voted no when this was uh, put on the table in front of all the different chancellors, presidents, athletic directors, a part of the ACC. The ones that you just reeled off, Florida State, North Carolina, Clemson, those were all the ones who voted no on expanding the conference. Why? Well, they don't want to see their do- bottom line uh, you know, drop down at any point. They want to make as much money as they can right now. Didn't SMU say that they'll play for free for the first yes. five years? Can you hold them to that right now? Well, I think SMU has enough money. They don't yes, need it. Yes, I agree with that. They're they don't fi- need they're, f- they're fine with that. They don't need the checks. They're good. No, no they don't. They don't. Uh, should the Atlantic Coast Conference change their name since they've now expanded to the West Coast? Yes, now you have to do something different. Um, Involve the Pacific Ocean, too. If you're going to be a conference that includes the Atlantic, you have to include the Pacific. What if you're called the APCC? Ooh, I I like that. The Atlantic Pacific Coast Conference. I think that works, man. I think you're on to something. They need to hire you here. Well, no, not at all. I'm just trying to come up with something because it just seems weird. Yeah, because if you're the Atlantic Coast Conference and you have teams in the West Coast, that doesn't make any sense. The only conference that used to be crazy enough to have people all over the country was Conference USA. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, this they, were the the, they, they were the first, right? They were the OGs. The trendsetters, huh? That's right. That's absolutely right. Anyway, all right. I, I am interested to see where this ends up when it's all said and done and when the smoke clears what's going to happen. And by the way, it's almost now a foregone conclusion that the Mountain West is going to pick up uh, Oregon State and Washington State. So I do feel bad for them. I mean, they're the ones that get screwed more than anybody. But the truth is, is that, listen, Oregon State and Washington State haven't exactly been ruling the Pac-12 over the last uh, 25, 30 years. And even though they've committed to improving their facilities, at least in the Oregon State case right there, uh, you're going to have to do it in a different conference. It's just, you're, you played, li- if you're Oregon State right now, you played little brother the entire time to the big brother, which was Oregon. And unfortunately, your resources aren't on the same uh, level as those other ones. That's what's sad about college football nowadays, Steve. We have to talk about how much money you have, how much, how much donors that you have going into the uh, mix. And that's what's really ruling college football at this point yeah that's true that is true um let me see here anyway looking forward to it looking forward to um what we can talk about with that and also speaking of looking forward to i'm looking forward to utep tomorrow against incarnate word i think that's going to be a lot of fun and man i can't wait adrian i cannot wait 
Yeah, we got a lot of stuff to uh, watch in this game. I mean, are we going to see the same UTEP team as we saw before? Will we see play-calling issues that fans will get upset about like they did last time? I mean, there's so much that goes into this weekend that I'm really fascinated by. I think the minor uh, football team has to put it on themselves to try to win back some of the trust from the fan base. You're not going to gain all of it, but at least you can gain some of the trust going into a Power 5 opponent next week in Northwestern. And I'll tell you something else, folks. Uh, never in the 28 years that I've been doing this show or the 30, 31 years that this show has been on the air, I think this show came on the air in 92. It might have come on earlier than that. But the point is, never in the history. No, I mean, so I've, been, I've been doing the show for 26, actually. I've been, I've been with them for 28, but on the air for 26 here on Sports Talk. show has been on the air for 31 years. Never have we ever had a UTEP football player um, join us as in a in a essentially like internship capacity like we have right now, um, and uh, super happy about that. In fact, uh, Cade's been terrific. We've had the opportunity now to talk to him the last couple of weeks. Um, he's been great, and I'll, I'll tell you something else, folks. Um, you know, when you look at his the way he talks about the game of football and the way he's breaking things down. Um, there are a lot of reasons why uh, a lot of you should be pretty excited about that because you're getting a different perspective and you're getting a perspective from essentially the locker room, which I love. I think that's, that's huge for us. We don't get to do that very often, but now we are Adrian and he just brings a different type of, of personality and a different type of, of just thinking about the game of football. So, Cade McConnell's, uh, uh, for me, he's an absolute gem. And uh, I always say that our internship program is the gift that keeps on giving. And in this regard, I think that who benefits the most? Everybody here. Because we get the opportunity to give you a perspective uh, that you just would not normally have on a week-to-week basis when we are shooting our mouths off uh, trying to give you our th- our take on the situation. Right. I thought, uh, you know, after yesterday's show with Cade, uh, we were ta- I talked to him and, and we were just going back and forth, and I said, you know, it's really beneficial to not just us but the listener themselves, who even the haters themselves, who might, you know, question, why does UTEP do this? Why do they lose? Why, why did they make this play call? And I felt like he gave really good breakdowns on all those reasons yesterday and for some of those you know what those are tough questions to even ask he even told you uh transparently yesterday hey we don't have these things solved or we've got to get these solved and stuff like that which is great to get that kind of uh perspective from somebody who does it on a daily basis that's true and and i liked hearing really also the behind the scenes stuff about what they do trying to bring the plays in how everything works what these you know the amount of of um, material that these quarterbacks um, are going through, as, as well as all the players, but just what they need to know. Because truthfully, you know, they call the plays at the line of scrimmage if, when the play is brought in, and they'll, they'll have the option to change it if they need to. So they've got to know the offense and the defense better than anybody so they can make sure that they've got the right plays in at the right time. And again, you've got a guy like that who's bright. Um, was brought in here. You could say he was brought in here as an insurance policy from junior college, but hey, guess what? A lot of the times insurance policies end up playing at some point during their career. So we could very well see Cade McConnell under center this year or in future years 
and uh, love the fact that we get a chance to have that relationship started with him here this season. Yeah, I would actually uh, recommend to anybody who missed our show yesterday, just check out the podcast channel. We have it up right now. You can hear from Cade McConnell himself, and he gives a great perspective on the pass game, the loss for UTEP at Jacksonville State, and he gives a good primer going into this week for Incarnate Word. But yeah, I mean, even the uh, when he was talking about the complexities that the uh, play callers go through on offense or just learning the offense itself and how uh, com- complex that can be at times. I thought that was really fascinating. I did too. And by the way, Miners and Incarnate Word tomorrow night at the Sun Bowl, 7 o'clock kickoff. Their Hall of Fame banquet is tonight. That's going to be a terrific event. We worked on trying to get Bob Stoll on the show, but uh, Bob's a little busy right now. He's got his entire team that he's re- his reunion and 40 plus players, five coaches. There's a lot of reasons why Bob is not on the air with us to begin the show at four o'clock. He's a, he's a little tied up with the UTEP Hall of Fame tonight. Yeah, understandably so. Uh, I think a lot of UTEP fans are going to be excited for all the different people who will be there. My dad was uh, texting me today that he's fired up about all the players who are going to be back and that they'll honor uh, for this one. The 88 team, one of the best teams to ever play football here in El Paso, and they'll be honored with their head coach. I mean, how many times can you talk about that? Uh, such a legacy that they left here at UTEP, and really, it set the standard of where UTEP wants to be year after year, especially that record that they posted, 10 wins. You're right. Um, today's show is going to be a fast one, and uh, we are absolutely going to get into high school football like we always do. In fact, Coming up at 5.45 will be story time with Hags. Tim Haggerty will join us from Reno. Then at 6, Bo Bagley, Paul McKinnon, our 90-minute Football Friday night pregame show to set the tone for uh, what's going to be a busy night of action. Tim takes the airwaves at 7.30. By the time he gets done, we will probably be wrapping games up or at least go back to games in the fourth quarter. And then... Um, just ending Football Friday night. So we wanted to give you a little extra 30 minutes today before the uh, Chihuahuas, so that way we can go 6 to 7.30, an hour and a half of Paul and Bo. They'll recap yesterday's games. They'll preview tonight's big matchups, and uh, we'll get you ready to go. Uh, for Football Friday Night Week 2. Yeah, I'm really excited about Week 2, Steve. We'll have a, a great opportunity to hear from a lot of our reporters on the pregame show for previews all across town, and then we'll get some uh, first quarter action when we start off at 7 o'clock. So anybody listening in, they'll get a good primer on what's expected for tonight, and then we'll give you the recap edition after the Chihuahuas game. If it ends a little too late, we'll give you an abbreviated edition with all the scores and the relevant news from some of the close or games, uh, but that's how we'll plan things out here for tonight. Football Friday night, week two, got a lot of great games here on the slate and uh, ready to go. Can't wait. Brandon Cohn's going to be at our game of the week, Pebble Hills and Del Valle, when that one gets underway. And by the way, speaking of underway, Montwood and Central is already underway. That started about 15 minutes ago at the sack for their double dip. Adrian's heading to Coronado Canutillo. Steve Escajeda will be at El Dorado Chapin. Jeremy Caranco, Las Cruces High at Eastwood. You got Zay at Franklin and Andres. Jerry Alvarez at Parkland and Austin. J.D. Sursley will be handling El Paso and Hanks. Adrian Tellus at Riverside at Burgess. Joy Panisi, Socorro at Bel Air. Russ Bannister, Irvin at Jeff. And Dave Guest will be 
at uh, Rio Rancho and Eastlake. What a large group of reporters. We're everywhere tonight, Adrian. It's a full full deck tonight. Full deck, and we've got a full slate of great games. I mean, think about it. Uh, from top to bottom, from our 915 Tours Game of the Week, Pebble Hills, Del Valle, that will be such a great one. You have a UTEP commit in quarterback Gaiello Choa leading the Spartans on one side, and then you have a sophomore sensation quarterback at Del Valle that not a lot of people have heard about, Jake Fetty. Uh, he's going to be leading the charge for the Conquista this season at the quarterback position. They've got some D1 prospects on their roster, including Shelton Fuller, uh, who plays athlete for them. So I'm, a, I'm fired up for the game of the week, but I'm also really fired up for that late game. You talked about Dave Guest out for Eastlake Rio Rancho Cleveland. That's a New Mexico powerhouse coming to town at the sack, taking on the Falcons, who blanked right. uh, Andrus last week. We will update you also on that San Angelo Central Montwood game going on right now from the sack. So a busy, busy day for us. As we get going, let's get it done right. Charlie won with our first traffic update of the afternoon. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about a 1-1 football team, an 0-2 team? Will it be close? Will it be a blowout? We want to hear from you. Predictions, predictions, more predictions here on the show. We've been talking about Encarna Word all week. So, uh, trust me, the Miners aren't taking them lightly. and You really shouldn't either. Even though this is a team that has a brand new head coach and a ton of new personnel, they've got 20, 20 FBS transfers and nine Power 5 guys in their starting lineup. So, yeah, this will be fun to see how quickly they gel and how fast they really put it together. But, Adrian, uh, I'm, I'm excited about this, too, especially knowing um, that, you know, they've got Calzada at quarterback. He spent almost all of last year quarterback in A&M. He beat Alabama, and now he's going to be under center for Incarnate Word here tomorrow. So that is going to be an interesting challenge. And I'm very interested to see how the Miners uh, come out, uh, if they're ready to play or not. Hopefully they will be. you got to figure they would. I mean, after last week, um, all I could say is I hope they come out fast. I hope they, uh, you know, they don't let it up and uh, they play well. But all it takes is a couple of turnovers, and the next thing you know, they're in the same exact spot they were in last week. Yeah, I want them to not fall to what they've done uh, time in and time out, and that is uh, fall subject to their own play calling and decision making and have to live with it. Or let's talk about how the the clock management too. I mean, sometimes when they go up tempo, they look fantastic. Other times when they're trying to eat and chew time off the clock, they're maybe a little too conservative or too passive on offense. So I just want to see this team score points. Like that's a big thing for me. Only 14 points against Jacksonville state. That's disappointing to me. They've got to find ways to get into the red zone, get six points on the board, get those touchdowns instead of seven, for field goals. That's one of the big keys for me tomorrow. You're right. And by the way, let's not listen. Settling for field goals when you have a field goal kicker that's a senior and doesn't miss is one thing, but field goal attempts when you're dealing with a freshman who's uh, only taken one try and, and and went wide left. Listen, um, you know, it's I hope Buzz, I'll say this. I hope they get some field goal practice for Buzz tomorrow night 
because at least you want to have the confidence knowing you can trot him out there to try for three rather than keep the offense on the field and go for it on fourth. Right. I agree with you 100%. And last night, I got a chance to watch a little bit of that Minnesota-Nebraska game. They also had a redshirt freshman kicker. He also missed a field goal late in the game. Granted, it was from like 55 yards, but regardless, they went back to him, game-ending field goal attempt, and he ended up winning it and walking it off for the Golden Gophers. And I was thinking to myself, that's a coach right there who doesn't abandon the trust that he has with the kicker. I want to see this coaching staff trust somebody at kicking, whether it's Buzz Fabiano or whoever. Mark Ramos. Yes, Mark Ramos, Julian Malucci, whoever it is. Just trust somebody out there and roll them out when you're in field goal range so that you can get three points on the board, but don't settle for it. You're right, because guess what? A kicker is not going to get confidence at all if you keep throwing out uh, the offense and don't give him an opportunity to kick a field goal. Right. If they only get uh, fee- uh, extra point attempts, that's it. And they're only going to be good from that uh, 25 to 35-yard range, and that's yep. it. That's true. 25 past the hour as Sports Talk continues, 505-609-6009, our telephone number. That's 505-6009. Here is Richard in Central. Richard, welcome. How are you? What's up, Steve? How's it going, my man? Hope you guys are doing having a great Friday today. You too, Richard. Uh, you too. <laughs> So I, as I told later, and I, he answered, I said, here's the thing. You guys are probably the biggest UTEP hype men. Every year, I love it. I get excited about it. You guys hype them up, make them look great on the radio, and then we get the big old performance that we got last weekend. A comedy of errors, sad and tragic, but we need to get the act together at UTEP this year. Here we are again, fall, and we're talking about the same thing that we always do. Let's see how they show up. You're right. I, You're right. Yeah, Richard, by the I, way, Richard, I'm done hyping. I, I hyped him before the season. I got yeah. all excited. I believed in everything, believed the veteran team and all this and all that. Um, no, no more hype. Now, and I said this this week after the game, you know what? I don't feel good about any particular game, whether it's tomorrow or any game this week. I want to see this yeah. team learn to win. I want to see this team play well on the road and win on the road. And until they do that, we can't hype them. You I mean, they, they need... They need to make believers out of everybody. I wrote on when on Monday's uh, website on, on Monday. How do they win the fans back? Because it's true, you know they 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 lost the fans Saturday. They got to get them back. <laughs> you lose you lose on Saturday, and it's gone. Goodbye, man. That's it. It's over. Uh, it's going to be hard. You got a Northwestern game, then you got the U of A game coming up. Um, I don't know. Zero and four, man, might happen, brother. It listen. Let me say this. If if they lose tomorrow, yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't see I, I don't see this I don't see this getting I don't see this getting any better anytime soon. And again, so, and yeah. here's the thing, man. My money, a lot of my money, has gone to UTEP over the years. It took me the longest ten years, and people think I'm a doctor, but I just enjoyed college to the biggest to the to the utmost uh, utmost that I could have. Man, but I just said I've seen it, man. I've seen the lean years, I've seen the good years, I've seen all that stuff. But brother, let me tell you something, man. I we need to win. You need a winner this year, man. Because if not, I'm just going to call back next week and just, just completely just, just be. I, I'm just going to give up on these guys completely altogether and take my money and spend that elsewhere, man. I know. Hey, it. man, enjoy the show. Always good. Love talking to you guys, man. Take care. We'll see you all tomorrow night. Take it easy, Richard. Thanks for the call. That's how important tomorrow's game is. I mean, seriously, that is how important tomorrow's game is. Not just for Richard, who really liked the 10 year plan at UTEP and said that for him, you know, he has no regrets. Ten years at UTEP, he maximized his um, his school year, his schooling, and, and you know what? Did it the right way. 
But I'm telling you right now, there are a lot of people in the exact same um, mindset as Richard. A ton out there. If this team wants to have any opportunity to get on the road and 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 try to uh, to, to you know get some things and put some things together, they've got to look good uh, tomorrow against the Carnet Warrior. Now, um, you know. When I say look good, I'm, I'm just saying that winning would be the uh, the the way to go. Whether it's a, a one point game or a, at least a you know a couple touchdowns, but Adrian, I mean, you lose to Jacksonville State in a Cardinal Warrior to start the season with all the expectations this team has, then um, I think everybody is going to be doubting them. I mean that he said zero and four start. I mean you can start counting the games after that and start to pencil in some losses if they start off zero and two. So yeah, I I worry about the snowball effect that would have uh, on the downfall early on this UTEP team, uh, and that could get scary fast. We've seen some uh, awful awful programs even recently. You know, within the last decade, we've seen some really bad programs here at UTEP on the football side of things. That that sounds pretty bad. I mean, if they go zero and four, and you start to see that snowball effect going down, that's a scary thought that but this, Richard brought up. But this team has no business, none whatsoever, to even be close to that kind of situation. None. That, that would be. I mean, then you. I would have to question myself in this profession. Me honestly, too. Like, me I, too. I would have to think about uh, doing something else. Maybe I could continue evaluating basketball if that's the case. But football evaluation, yeah, forget it at that point. Yeah, I mean it, that would that would be the the worst case scenario, the worst possible scenario. Hopefully that does not happen. Hopefully they take care of business tomorrow, even it up at one. And then they hit the road with with uh, you know Northwestern and um, Arizona. Hopefully, that's what happens. Hey, would love to hear your thoughts. Five zero five six zero zero nine. As we continue, uh, let's send it back to Adrian for this Sports Center update. Thanks, Adrian. Appreciate it. As we keep things moving, five zero five six zero zero nine. Esteban posts into the show. Something tells me Gator Richard won't be calling in. Mm, Steve, it was uh, it was tough for Gator Boy yesterday, huh? Tough, tough game for Gator Boy. Yeah, it was. It was. He's going to go back to the swamp for a little while. Then we'll get him back maybe next week or the following. That's true. That is true. Well, maybe we'll set up that lunch with him for next week. Yeah. Uh, we got two now in the <laughs> bag, huh? <laughs> two for Tuesday. That's right. Um, King Eric gets into the act. UTEP 31, University of Incarnate Word 14. I don't see that. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I think this is going to be a close football game. I really do. I think this is going to be a close football game. It's not going to be an easy one. It's not going to be a gimme. I feel like the Miners have a chance to win. But um, listen, after last week, no, I can't. I can't see them winning and beating anybody by more than two touchdowns right now. At least not after the first week. You need a different performance. You need a turnover-free performance. You need to see them force turnovers, put some pressure defensively on, move the ball crisp on offense, catch the football, um, make good decisions. 
make some field goals. There's a lot of things that I want to see from UTEP tomorrow night. You know, the 31 points, I'm fixated there from King Eric. If they score over 30 points to me, that's impressive and a big step forward from last week because uh, only 14 on the road against Jacksonville State is uh, disappointing on what we initially thought from this UTEP offense. We were sold that this uh, is a veteran offensive line. We were sold that they have a run game that's willing to take command over defenses, but they didn't score any points last week that were of a lot of relevance. I mean, 14 points is not impressive to me whatsoever. So this week, uh, scoring over 30 points to me, I mean, that's that's impressive. Uh, that would be impressive. Now, um, you know, I guess I've seen anywhere from like number nine to um, I don't know where else that Incarnate Word's been projected to finish in terms of FCS this year. They've, they, they have high hopes. I mean, you know, it's funny because I know we've had people call up over the years and say UTEP should drop down to a level and be FCS. Hey, Incarnate Word is probably the opposite. They want to move up to FBS, and all they've done is uh, become one of the preeminent FCS programs in the country year after year after year. And now, thanks to the portal and thanks to NIL, you can go out, if you're an FCS program, and go get yourself a bunch of Power 5 players. I mean, that's the really interesting thing, okay? Um, the In the old way of looking at it, the only chance that an FCS program had to get Power 5 FBS potential was if that player knew they were not going to start at their school or anywhere else for that matter in the Power Fives and they wanted to play right away, they would then consider going down to FCS for an opportunity to do that. But now thanks to NIL, you're probably able to get um, certain players going to FCS rather than go group of five because maybe there's more money NIL for FCS programs than group of five. It sounds crazy, but it's really the reality of the situation. Some of these FCS programs have really, really good NILs and can probably spend more money on good talent than group of fives. So don't be surprised if some of these FCS programs have better power five transfers than what you're going to see at the group of five level. This reminds me of a, uh, I think it was like an email that we received from Gerald Hitter a couple years ago or something like that, giving a, us a big case as to why UTEP could drop down to an FCS level and have, you know, m- maybe be on par with some of these different football programs like, you know, Northern Arizona, which seems to churn out top level talent year after year in college football. North Dakota State, I mean, they're getting yeah. guys in the NFL year after year and same with Incarnate Word. It seems like that's a great uh, you know, stepping stone for some of these players. They start there, and then they go off to a different college and have success. So these top-level FCS programs, they're no slouch whatsoever. No, they're not. Let's keep moving. Here's Augustine uh, joining us next as we continue here on Sports Talk. Augustine, how are you, and uh, how's my bottle of tequila doing? Hey, your bottle of tequila is going to be there with you on Tuesday when I get there for the draft. So, um, Get out of so, here. Uh, I'll be- the famed, the famed bottle of tequila is, that's been MIA for over a decade is yep. actually going to be making an appearance Tuesday at our annual fantasy football draft. Well, I got the letter saying that uh, it's finally approved. 
Robert Queen finally came through for me. Do me a favor. Oh, okay, Adrian Adrian is laughing and he's shaking his head at you. Um I want I want that I want a copy of that letter. And I and if you're going to bring the tequila, that's fine, but I want to see I want proof. I want to see this thing, okay? Trust me, Steve. I talked to uh, Robert today, yesterday. Tell Robert to call in. I want Robert to call into the show so we could spend a segment talking about your tequila bottle that's been MIA for over a decade. Uh, I'll try to do that, Robert. I think you know Robert, don't you? Robert Queen? Yeah, I believe I do. But I don't believe this story. Yeah, exactly. still, so I don't believe good. it once. once hey, yeah, it's, it's so difficult. Right. Let me ask you this. True story. Okay. What's, what is more What is more accurate? Okay, A, this tequila bottle's been held up for more than a decade, but you finally got to go ahead and you're going to bring it Tuesday night, or B, mm-hmm. that you once played professional basketball in Mexico. Oh, B, B by far. Okay. So you're telling me that, as I thought, the tequila story is not accurate, but the basketball, the pro basketball story in Mexico is more accurate. Which is more accurate? Yes, you, said. you didn't yes. say accurate. Accurate. So, no, but but okay. but I, I've been working on that for two years, Steve. Oh man, All right. two years has been two years. Has not been two years. Listen, no, uh, no, no. but no. The, the thing is, uh, the FBA is. Don't think, get me started, please. I think FBA. Adrian was like either in junior, yeah. in like middle school or high school when this when this bottle idea first started, and yeah, now he was, he's like graduated he from college like four years ago. And he's married, which is weird. Yes, so. yes. This isn't about me. This is about your lie, right this here. Is a, this is exactly. Well, listen. I will. I will. I will believe it when I see it on Tuesday, and I will. Yeah. And, um, and and don't expect anybody in that league to have some. I am not sharing that bottle. So there you go. No, don't. No, no. See, we we've been held up with that. All right. As a company for right. about when, when when that rule came in that everything bottles or anything had to have. Either inscribed mm. uh, on 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 their things, whatever content. I mean, you can't do that to stuff that's like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it, it, it's really it, it was far too disgusting. I right, listen. Enough about the phantom bottle of tequila. Let's move on. I know you want to talk UTEP. Yeah, not just UTEP, but 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 you know, Adrian was saying something really interesting about. You know, talent in in, 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 in in football and and all kinds of things that basically, you know, the top FCS schools do have NFL type talent. And I said it over five years ago that why doesn't UTEP drop down to FCS? I mean, those top schools in FCS do make enough money to make their program grow and, and support other sports within their schools. I mean, UTEP has shown throughout the years that. Fine, it's a, it's a it's a bottom of the barrel D one school, and it could be a, you know, maybe a great FCS school. I know everybody says the money and all this and that, but at the same time, I mean, could you have you know real butts on the seats and you know maybe upsell UTEP at a certain time or UTEP games could be televised uh, through I don't know KVIA or or, or whatever, and uh, you know they could pay. pay uh, licensing fee or whatever. I mean, there are other ways to make money off the football team. It's just, I don't think UTEP has the, you know, the necessary weapons to be in Division One anymore. Because, Listen, the easiest I mean, way, it, it, the easiest way to make money off the football program is to win football games. That is the easiest way to, to make money, correct? 
they just lost against Jack State. I understand that. I understand that. And they've and they've and they're what? What are they the last two years? Uh, I think they're they were seven and six, then five and seven. So they were so and they, oh, they're they're twelve and fourteen over their last twenty six games, including the bowl game, including the bowl game. They're twelve and fourteen in their last twenty six games. Exactly, and and Dana was forty five and sixteen. I seventeen think. and forty one. Something like that. So yeah, I mean, you don't. I know you just. It, oh my God, you're. Uh, yeah, it's you're, you're. You're having a tough time. Yeah, you haven't called in a while. I know. It's it takes it takes you know, time I, to I, get I back in the flow. I know. I know. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, something has to give, and it's been so long for you to have to have a you know a winning program and 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 and, and do that successfully. I think it's time. Somebody has to say, you know what, guys? We gave it a go. We gave it a go for about 90 years. It hasn't worked. Let's move down see how we can how we can do there. And uh, just take it from there because it's really... I, I have a better idea, okay? If for whatever reason this doesn't work, and let's just say that Dana Dimmel does not work out, all right? Let's just, let's just, let's just play the, uh, the what-if game. If Dana Dimmel does not work out, UTEP needs to do something they've never done for football, and that is... Go hire some young, hotshot up-and-comer, some OC at a Power 5, go pay him a million bucks, tell him when, go make this a stepping stone and get out of here, and turn this program into just that. Due to the football program, what they did to basketball when Gillespie first got here. Make it where you can bring in a young coach, they win, they leave, you hire their offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator or the next hot shot prospect, and you do it like that. That's that's the like only that. thing I would say that they've never done that I would like that I would like to eventually see if that opportunity presents itself. I, 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 I would I would go one better on you, Steve. I would go. You know, if you really want butts in their seats, go local. Hire a young coach that's local. No, you're somebody that knows. How did, uh, by the way, how did the uh, local, how the local uh, concept with uh, Sean Kugler work out? Oh, Sean Kugler didn't know. Uh, Sean Kugler was an offensive line coach. I mean, listen, he brought in two thirds of his roster was El Paso kids. Okay, two thirds of his roster was from El Paso. How'd that work out? No, it didn't work out either. Exactly. So yeah. Be careful what you wish for, my friend. Be careful what you wish for. I'll talk to you. Have a good weekend, and I'll see you at the draft uh, coming up next Tuesday. I'll see you Tuesday. Bye, Adrian. Good luck. I will wager one of Gator Richards' lunches that he owes us for a photo, just a photo of that phantom letter. I'm telling you, I want to see I want to see the phantom letter, too. All right. Fours across the board. That was riveting. When we return, we'll wrap up our one of two. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. The Phantom Bottle of Tequila is my favorite ever from Augustine. Uh, Of all the things that's ever happened in the uh, history of this show, that is, without a doubt, the greatest. That started when Chad Middleton was still working here. That's how long it's been. Oh, my God. That bottle's been around forever. Because Chad hasn't been around in, in forever around here. He calls in. He's all over social. But, my God, he was still with me when that story, uh, when, when he first promised that. I remember the first time I heard this story, I was like, what? But it was already like a year working here. And then it was like, I'm, I almost have it. Like, I ha- I'll bring it next week or something like that at the time. Yep. And that and now we are here, flash forward five years later. And we're still, hey, maybe you'll get it next week. But probably not. It's arriving Tuesday. 
There it is. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> is he going to have to smuggle it? You think that's what's going to end up having to do? You think he's going to have to try to sneak it over the bridge? Probably. And yeah. by the way, unfortunately, we all know that no matter what it happens, this is not the uh, event. Let me tell you the story of the history of the bottle. Okay, I was told that you know because he, um, his family for years has handled the uh, Don Julio distributorship in in Mexico in Juarez, uh, that this was a bottle that is not offered to anybody. This is the the. the uh, the higher, the highest bottle of Don Julio is called Real Tequila. Okay, it's higher than 1942, higher than 70. That's their, that's their big one, the Real. This was supposed to be the Real Real, which doesn't even have a label because it's so hard to find, which uh, has caused years, a decade plus of delays, hardships, sadness, and now apparently after all these years. The, the, the bottle is apparently making its way here to the radio station next Tuesday. Maybe this will uh, symbolize UTEP's curse hanging over them is mm. finally lifted. You know, Augustine always tries to put down UTEP when he calls in. And, yes. You know, gives it to us, uh, you know, every time we talk about UTEP in a negative light. And so maybe this will kind of be a parting gift and the curse will part over UTEP football. Could be. Could be. All right. I'm excited about that. Well, we'll see. I don't know what really to be excited about these days. But, hey, it's a possibility. Uh, UTEP dropped the first set to Arizona State today, 25-18. They're playing in the second set right now out at New Mexico State. It's uh, UTEP uh, Volleyball against ASU in the Borderland Classic. They beat San Francisco yesterday trying to get some updates on this one. And uh, it's not easy, Adrian. Not easy right now, but we're trying to – Follow along and and see if we can get uh, maybe some of the uh, you know the latest with this game. So second set right now, ASU's up twenty two twelve. So Oof. not looking good for the miners here after a, a great performance yesterday against San Francisco. Um, yeah, I think they're gonna have to fight back to try to get in this one. It's the first time that they've really been uh, manhandled in the first couple of sets against an opponent like this. That's right. I mean, I'm looking at the hit rate and the hit percentage right now from Arizona State. They're almost at, uh, you know, they're at a four nine point four nine percent hit uh, hit rate. So they're killing it right now over the minors and just really looking dominant here in the second set. Very true. Uh, this came in on social from Pooh Bear at Divias, uh, the number one. This is a do or die game for UTEP. He writes, they have to win. Even if they win by one point, after last week, I see this as a toss-up. I agree with Pooh Bear. I do. I feel like, you know what? This team has got to show us they can win, has to show us they can play well. And this game against Jacksonville State was an FCS team that just moved up to FBS. So now they're going up against an FCS power for the second week in a row. So let's see if UTEP is able to fix their mistakes and 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 play well in this one. Look at what's on paper right now. A lot of films out on UTEP and nothing's on film for Incarnate Word. They're coming in with nothing to lose, right. all uh, uh, uncertainties on even who's going to play, who's going to be their stars, all that kind of stuff. That means uncertainty for UTEP on their side. A hundred percent. All right. We'll have it for you um, on our partner station, 95.5 FM KLAQ tomorrow, beginning at 6 o'clock. 
o'clock with the countdown to kickoff. Adrian's going to be live here, though, from 4 to 6. It's a great lead-in with our two-hour minor talk pregame show happening out at the district. you got a long broadcast day. you got a longer broadcast day than Teich has tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it, though. Jason Craig will join me starting at 3. He'll DJ. I'll jump in at 4 o'clock. 4 to 6, we'll awesome. have the pregame show. Anybody who wants to stop by, maybe you can be put on the mic. Maybe mm. that, that'll be the case. I love it. I love it. All right, we'll come back. Hour 2 in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. And Adrian brought us. Hour number two of Sports Talk is underway. Welcome back, everybody. Excited about tomorrow night. The game you'll hear on our partner station, 95.5 FM, the Q. Matter of fact, the next four games are going to be on KLAQ. Four in a row for the Miners, starting uh, tomorrow with uh, Incarnate Word. So you can bring your radios to the Sun Bowl. For those of you that still have a pocket transistor back in the old days that's how we would listen to uh, sports with our little transistor radios i had a panasonic that i loved don't know what happened to that radio but the point is you can bring it tune into the queue and listen to john and cole and mondo with the, all the action on uh, 95.5 the queue the reason we will not have it on 600 espn el paso is because we will be uh, broadcasting Chihuahuas baseball from Reno. In fact, the next um, four games uh, for the uh, Miners will be on the queue because of Chihuahuas baseball. So uh, excited about that. Looking forward to um, having Hags from uh, Reno tomorrow. And then chances are that game will probably end around 930 to 10. And as soon as Adrian can jump on the air, he will for minor talk and can't wait for that show from the district that's going to be a lot of fun correct and actually so just to clarify real quick we will have the pregame show out at the district but we will have our show back here at our ah, schoolyard sports studios there we go okay good stuff lines ringing in 505-6009 would love to get your thoughts on tomorrow um what do you think is going to happen are the miners going to win are they going to be, uh, you know, will will Incarnate Word pull off the upset? And will it be a close game? That's another thing we're asking right now is how will this game go? Love to know from you and get your thoughts on that. 505-6009 here on Sports Talk. So, uh, once again, questions, comments, um, looking forward to it. If you're just missing uh, the start of the show, ACC has now jumped to 18 teams with Stanford, Cal, and SMU joining in uh, 2024. That is a very, very large league. Very large league. So, anyway. Question came in off the air from Joseph. If the Miners end up losing, is this the beginning of the end for Dana Dimmel. Well, I'll say this. I mean, you've got Northwestern and Arizona afterwards, and then UNLV. And if you can't beat Jacksonville State in Incarnate Word, good luck with anybody the rest of this season. Because from a talent standpoint, we know what this team has. But mentally, that's the issue, is, you know, how will Dana Dimmel be able to keep this team together and hold the locker room together if things do not go well tomorrow? We've seen 
teams before that came in with high hopes, lots of promise, and things went wrong, and they could not ever figure out a way to right the ship before it spiraled out of control. So how does UTEP kind of flip the script right here? They've got to win. They've got to win convincingly, and they have to try to convince their own fans that this is you know nothing to be alarmed of uh, as far as the start to their season. Because on the flip side of it, you know I'm not I, I'm not somebody who says or who falls subject to those th- qualms like, hey, is this the beginning of the end? Well, there's a lot still left in the season, and it just doesn't mean that they start off well if they lose to both Jacksonville State and Carnival. And it's going to be an uphill battle to not only gain the trust of the fans back, but even the locker room at that point, going down 0-2 when you've had so much uh, expectations going into the seasons. Not to mention these were two games that everybody thought was so winnable they would just chalk them up to Ws without even even thinking. And then all of a sudden you realize, nope, that's not the case. Look, um, there's a lot of things that I'd like to see tomorrow. And, you know, I'll I'll just – we've talked about it last hour. I'll list them again, okay? Number one, I'd like to see this team run the ball. Number two, I'd like to see them not turn it over. Number three, I'd like to see them force turnovers. Number four, I'd like to see them get some sacks and some pressures on Calzada. Number five, I want to see Buzz Flabiano attempt and make some field goals. Um, And really, number six, I want to see this team play good control offense where they'll have some nice, long, sustained drives, wear down the Incarnate Word defense, control the time of possession, dominate the game, dominate the scoreboard. That's what you want to see. Now, what I want to see and what's going to happen are probably two completely different things. So, you know, that's my list, though. I'd like to see that happen. What do I think is going to happen? Well, I think Incarnate Word's going to score some points, whether it's off turnovers or whether it's just driving on the defense because UTEP does not have a lot of game film, right? has no game film of these guys because there's all new personnel, new head coach, and, and they haven't played yet. So you have really nothing on tape from them to look at. Uh, Incarnate Word has the Jacksonville tape, and it's going to be interesting to see how much UTEP changes up what they did last week tomorrow. Will they show the same looks at Incarnate Word, or will they try to not resemble the team that lost 17-14 in Week 1? I want to see uh, certain standout performances from some of their members that we saw last week. Like We really saw Kelly Akari come onto the scene last week with those four catches. Could add more, you know, obviously, in the maybe two more touchdowns to add to his only touchdown, but he went over 100 receiving yards. I want to see Tyron Smith match some sort of those numbers this game going here in Week 2. I also want to see more from their tight ends, Zach Fryer, Marcus Vincent. I want to see more from those guys in the receiving game specifically and then Jeremiah Ballard as well he only caught one pass last week Uh, he's somebody that they were really high on going into this year I want to see some of those weapons that we were promised before the season started actually you know be incorporated into the offense and have some kind of uh, relevance in a game that really means something for UTEP you know we were so excited about Kelly Akari's breakout game well remember he dropped two touchdowns so one uh, he didn't complete the catch and it was reversed we thought it was the touchdown to start the game and then that third and one where um you know the pass hit him in the numbers i mean it was broken up and it was a great breakup but once again when you get an opportunity like that to try to bring the ball in you got to secure it because uh if that happens it's a totally different situation now utip's got a lead with a minute left carrie's got a second touchdown harrison's got a second touchdown pass and only has one interception to boot so uh, that's what i mean it's like you know I, there are things i would like to see 
Um, and you brought it up. I mean, you said Kelly Akari. I like to see him continue, but I just don't want to see UTEP drop passes. I want to see them, when balls are thrown in their direction, secure and catch the football. That's really important, and I don't. I mean, there has to be more than just two receivers that step up. I mean, last week it was Tyron Smith and Kelly Akari who combined for nine of the team's seventeen receptions. That's not a good number, right there. You need that third guy to come in and step in and to take control. I mean, Marcus Bellin uh, is dealing with an ankle injury right now. Not sure if he's going to be available as early as tomorrow, but still, they need that third guy. Whether it's Jeremiah Ballard, whether it's Amari White, who we didn't see much of it, not really much of him at all in that first game against Jacksonville State, or even Justine Clark, that somebody has to step up alongside those guys. And if it's not from the wide receiver group, maybe one of the running backs like Torrance Burgess could really explode through the scene and really help UTEP out in this game. Well, Burgess had a nice game against Jacksonville State. I thought that he gave them a nice look, a nice change of pace. Remember, in the first half, uh, they tried shoving um, Deion Hankins down their throat, and he he wasn't picking up a ton of yards. And then Franklin came in. He did all right. And then the second half, a little bit better for uh, for Hankins. And I thought Burgess had some really good runs. I, I, you know, he's got a completely different style than the other two bangers. I thought Burgess was explosive out of the backfield. Uh, he had 12 carries, 58 rushing yards. He was their leading rusher against Jacksonville State. And I think that's what we might see from UTEP's run game uh, as far as their identity moving forward. They will ride the hot hand. They, they will uh, prefer that guy who can carry them into success. And if it's Torrance Burgess with 12 carries or Mike Franklin, I could see them just riding the hot hand in these games as a complimentary back to Deion Hankins. Meanwhile, as far as the fans go, I know that two weeks ago, UTEP announced they sold over 25,000 tickets for tomorrow night's game. It holds 45,000. So if everybody who has a ticket shows up, the stadium will be more than half full. Okay? But Here's what's going to probably happen. Game's going to kick off. It's going to look like there's 5,000 people in the stands. And it will be your normal late-arriving crowd because that's what happens, Adrian. And probably not till later in the second quarter when we get close to halftime will the stadium look like it's close to being half full. I hope we see tailgaters. I hope we see people out on the university's campus and around the area. And I hope there's a certain buzz tomorrow because that's what makes college football fun, no matter who you're rooting for. So I'm, but I tend to lean with what you're saying. I think it could be late arriving. I I think fans could just go for the 88 team being honored or the other members of the UTEP Hall of Fame being honored in itself. I think that's a huge draw for some fans out there who might remember the 80s and really want to, or or even guys like Friend Reynolds uh, and just want to celebrate them along with UTEP Athletics for their Hall of Fame weekend. So I think this is the weekend where you try to capitalize on fans and make them excited about UTEP football. Well, here's the thing, too. You only have six tailgates, okay? That's it. Six shots at this the whole year. And for a lot of college football fans, they really look at a tailgate as their big event. I mean, that's their weekend. And it's Labor Day weekend. So you could start your Labor Day weekend holiday off with the tailgate, go into the game, some even do a post-game tailgate afterwards, and there, to me, is nothing better than walking up and down Sun Bowl Drive 
and seeing all of the tailgates that are happening before a football game. Because you brought it up and you're 100% right. It's great to see people enjoy themselves and get into the spirit of things the way you should for a home football game. It's not just showing up an hour early or half an hour early or during the first quarter. It's showing up three hours early, breaking out the grill, cooking out, and having some beverages and just enjoying yourself with friends before it gets started. Yeah, it gives your it gives you kind of like a sense of energy when you see all those fans out there and excited and ready uh, for some UTEP football. That's that's what it does, at least to me, when I see all those people tailgating. The RVs, are some of them are already out, which yep. is cool, out at uh, Schuster Drive. And um, I just hope that, you know, they come and uh, support just for, you know, the tailgate purposes, support for the UTEP football team tomorrow, and maybe we'll see a good crowd. Well, who knows? Man, I hope so. I hope so. 505-6009, if you want to weigh in with your thoughts on tomorrow's game, what do you think is going to happen? Um, are you going to the game? Do you have tickets? Are you looking forward to it? These are all the questions we want to hear from you over our final uh, 30 minutes, uh, or 45 minutes, I should say, of the hour. Although Tim Haggerty will join us with story time at 45 past. We've got about a half an hour for your calls, your thoughts. You tell us, folks. Are you going are you excited? You're looking forward to it? Are you just looking forward to the whole game day experience, the throwbacks, the 88 team being honored with the Hall of Fame class of 2023? This is what we want to hear from you about. So give us a ring. We got lines available. So we send it off to Charlie One for this traffic update. The basketball team. It looks like he was with his son, too. That's awesome. That's a really cool throwback right there. We heard we hear so many people on this show on Minor Talk reference Eddie Rivera, uh, the great UTEP basketball teams of way back when. Uh, not too not too long ago either for Eddie Rivera, but it's really cool that he's here in El Paso, also uh, hanging out with the players themselves here at the at the Foster Stevens Center. By the way, it's also speaking of basketball, great that Fred Reynolds is going to go into the UTEP Athletics Hall of Fame uh, tonight and then be honored again tomorrow. Um, at the football game. Fred Reynolds is somebody that I grew up watching, um, started uh, his play in the early 80s. I think he finished up in about 84. And uh, really, Fred, to me, was kind of part of that new resurgence. I mean, it was, you know, you, you had Roshan, Amy, and Anthony Burns in the late 70s into the early 80s, and they kind of started to turn around with UTEP basketball. And then came... Guys like Luster Goodwin, Fred Reynolds, uh, Dave Feitel, Kent Lockhart, uh, and, and it just kept going on and on from there. You also had Terry White. You had Virgil Kennedy. Um, you just had you had ball players, as is the best way to put it. And I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, Fred's senior year was, I think, the first time that they went to the uh, NCAA tournament. So that was also pretty cool when you look at just, you know, how as he left and kind of pay up, paved the way for the 80s, uh, it was such a terrific decade of basketball for UTEP and UTEP fans. And Fred Reynolds is such a huge part of that. Played on the Pan, played for the uh, United States in the Pan Am Games, roomed with Michael Jordan uh, at the Pan Am Games. 
Uh, he has so much pedigree and so mu- such a great legacy that he left here at UTEP. In fact, I was just going back to our uh, all-time UTEP basketball player list. He was a quote-unquote fourth seed, Steve. And in the first round of this uh, voting that we had for – and this was all listener base. This is all for uh, listeners out there and fans of these players. They voted Fred Reynolds over Neville the Shadow Shed uh, by 51% of the votes. So it was a slight margin right there, which was interesting in itself. Then they voted uh, for Fred Reynolds at the time over Juden Smith to go all the way to the Sweet 16 of our bracket and eventually fall to Nate Archibald. So Fred Ren- I mean, that just tells you that he is such a popular figure yep. in UTEP basketball history that you put him up there with some of the greats in terms of uh, his ability on the court, but also his popularity. Juden Smith, by the way, the beast. Um, we have tried over the last four or five years, but nobody, including his teammates, seem to know where Juden is these days. That's the one guy from those 80s teams that everybody has kind of lost contact with. And I hope we get him back. I hope people are able to find uh, Juden and and bring him back because that would be awesome if we could reconnect with him. He was such a popular minor back in the mid-80s. That's right. I mean, I think we uh, right around this time, uh, we were also airing all the Don Haskins Hour episodes. And right around this time, we were uh, wondering the same thing, wondering if people have heard from him at that time. More messages and posts uh, coming in on social. Let's get right to them. Cesar Cubillos, looking forward to tomorrow being a turnaround. It's spirit night. So the I, I don't know. It's supposed to be 80s cheerleaders and dancers, or is it uh, 800 cheerleaders and dancers? I think he meant 80s. I think yeah. so, too. It's Spirit Night, so the 80s cheerleaders and dancers performing will have family there as well. Peter Pete will be visiting tailgate parties that DM me. This is a Cesar Cubillos at Ice Cubillos. See you all tomorrow. How about that? Hey, Ice Cubillos, I'll slide in those DMs so that you can head on out to the District West if you have some time. Yeah, maybe uh, Caesar and Pater Pete can stop by at like uh, 4.30 before it gets crazy. That would be great. So I'm going to slide in his DMs right now. I love that. You should. Headbanger Pete. If UTEP doesn't win tomorrow, they will lose the casual fan base. Just diehards of thirteen to 15,000 fans will be attending remaining games. Sad to see SMU, Houston, UTSA all pass by, moving to bigger, better things. Meanwhile, Kennesaw State is coming next year. Woohoo! From Headbanger Pete. He's right, though. He is right. It is sad to see all the Texas schools that UTEP has been with, some even joined after UTEP was already in the conference, have moved on. North Texas wasn't around when UTEP was first there. It was UTEP, SMU, Houston, and Rice. Yeah, that's a really good point, man. I mean, uh, also the the new age of teams. I think people are still getting used to the new look of Conference USA, not really understanding that Jacksonville State is part of the conference. Same with Sam Houston State. And like you mentioned, next year, Kennesaw State. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, Neff Poppy messages us and says that oddshark.com has incarnate word beating UTEP 25.7 to 24.2. If Western Union keeps telegraphing, it may be worse. Mm, that's a, that's a tough one right there. I, I hear you, man. Anyway. All right. 
Uh, you know what? I tried to go to that Odd Shark website, but it says, sorry, you don't have permission to visit this site. Not allowed to browse gambling category. So apparently our radio station has blocked gambling sites from our browser uh, here at 600 ESPN El Paso. So it's interesting that he's uh, Neff Poppy is getting odds from this site. I've never heard of Odds, odds Shark uh, because most um, you know websites out there that uh, involve gambling they don't even have a line of this on this game, knowing that it's an FBS team versus an FCS opponent. That's true. Normally that doesn't happen uh, during those days. So you're right about that. Hey, uh, are we going to get the Foss on starting next Friday? Ooh, we have to get uh, get him to start off the season with us. Uh, maybe we even try to do a preview with Foss and Dean Kane. Oh wow! Now now we're talking some great ideas here. I Foss feels neglected. I'm just going to tell you, Foss feels that ever since we spoke to him at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. We've ghosted him. He feels unwanted. He feels unloved. There is a major, you have, we have major damage control with the FOSS heading into the start of the Cowboys season. Okay, so September through February is our FOSS season. And then we get him sprinkled in with the draft, and we and we get him sprinkled in with the Hall of Fame. So yes. we will have plenty of Steve Foster on this radio station for the next several months. And you know what? Throughout the entire NFL season. So uh, even though we haven't talked to him, he, he's kind of like in hibernation right now, and we'll unleash the beast next week. I'm looking forward to it. But just to give you a warning, a heads up, Foss is, uh, is a little sensitive these days. So... He did, uh, the last text I received from him was like a week ago. I wasn't even in town. I was, um, or no, two weeks ago, I was in L.A. And the text I got from Foss was the following. I got I to gotta just read this to you because it's, it's, uh, it, it is pretty hilarious. He goes, um, here it was. Let me see here. We just got to get to all my uh, through all my texts. So many Foss texts. It's crazy, Adrian. I don't even know how. Uh, hey, I get a lot of LeBron texts all the time, so I don't blame you. So I get oh a lot of God. Jordan. You here know, it is. LeBron, all this stuff from him. So yeah, I don't blame you. No call for a Halls of Fame wrap up. It's all good, man. No worries. Yeah. Anyway, we'll catch up with him. And then he started making fun of the fact that LeBron's not very good and MJ's the goat. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's very on brand for yes, him. Yes, he is. He's he's pretty much uh, he's he's ready. He's ready to go. So next Friday will be the debut, uh, the return of the Foss, Steve Foster. Maybe we can even pull in a uh, a little Zoom call with Foss and uh, Dean. That would be fun. Oh man, I'm in. Uh, every time we get a chance to see Foss's face, it also makes me laugh because he he has he's very animated and emotional whenever he talks. That's true. That is true. All right. Anyway. Uh, thank you, by the way, Neff Poppy, for sending us a screenshot for what we don't have. That's always nice, too. So he's got it. And uh, I do find it interesting that um, uh, at least this site is picking Incarnate Word over the minors. So. Wow. Yeah, I'm, you know what? Actually, I've seen some uh, blue checks, which yeah, take that for what, what it's worth. I've seen some blue checks pick Incarnate Word over UTEP. Mm, okay. We'll come back with more as we continue. Bottom of the hour. 505-6009, our telephone number. But first, let's go to Adrian and this Sports Center update. Bagley already in our uh, 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios, along with Paul McKinnon, and they will be delivering football Friday night 
30 minutes from now. All right, uh, there are a ton of games this weekend in college football. I know we've talked all about the UTEP game, but uh, there are others happening around the uh, world of uh, college football, Adrian, including um, after their loss to UMass, they'll try to pick up the pieces with New Mexico State hosting Western Illinois. Mm, I, I haven't kept this one on my radar as I should, Steve. I'm ready to watch Diego Pavio's second game here in his sophomore season. Let's see if it uh, comes up much better than last week. I thought that was pretty disappointing losing to uh, UMass last week. Uh, it was a shocker, that's for sure. But uh, Western Illinois, much like Incarnate Word, FCS, although I don't think Western Illinois is quite as good as incarnate word. I don't think so either. I, I'm not too sure off the t- I mean, I, I'm not too sure on the Western Illinois front, but I will say ESPN Plus uh, evening game out at Aggie Memorial Stadium. They should get the win. They, this is back to back home games. They should even things up at one and one with their overall record. Last year, Western Illinois went 0 and 11. I feel pretty good for yeah. New Mexico State tomorrow night. Me too. I do. Uh, even if Diego Pavia has to throw with his helmet turned around, flipped on the other side. They're in the Missouri Valley. That's the same league as North Dakota State and South Dakota State, North Dakota, Youngstown State. But, yes, they were 0-11 last year. 0-11. So, Icarna Word was 12-2, and by the way. Um, they were... They went all the way, I think, to the uh, semifinals or the finals of the FCS uh, championships. Yeah, I mean, the Incarnate Word had such a great team. That's why their coaching staff was lured over to Texas State, why they got the jobs over there, and why they're uh, having a lot of success as a program year over year. They're a winning program. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. So, anyway, all right. Well, listen, uh, that's uh, going to be happening uh, along with these games. Bowling Green is playing Liberty. Liberty is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. SMU is hosting La Tech. SMU is a 20-point favorite. Jacksonville State will be hosting East Tennessee State. South Florida will be visiting Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is a 12-point favorite over the Bulls. Maine will be battling FIU. Middle Tennessee will be taking on Alabama. God bless them. Alabama 39-point favorites, for those of you interested. No depth chart. No. And BYU is a 19-and-a-half-point favorite over Sam Houston. Those are your CUSA games this week. My favorite game uh, by far is the La Tech game. That should be really exciting. It's also a morning game, so I'm looking forward to watching that one. Western Kentucky, South Florida should be really interesting, but watching the Bulldogs go up against SMU, who is newly into the ACC as of today, that's an intriguing matchup right there for me. So I'm interested in TCU Colorado just because it's Prime's first game as head coach at Colorado, even though they're 20 point, uh, 20 and a half point underdogs. Uh, that will be one to keep an eye on. Also, um, as far as other games that we have not talked about on this show that um, are happening that maybe have uh, some intrigue, um, Penn State hosts West Virginia. They're 20, uh, Penn State's 20.5-point favorites in that one. You've got North Carolina and South Carolina. That's always the fun one as well. Um, and then I'm looking to see, oh, A&M and New Mexico. 
Oh, yeah, odd game. I saw that on the radar as well. Odd matchup. And, man, there's a lot of high expectations this season for the Texas A&M Aggie football program. They've got to win under Jimbo Fisher. They've invested way too much money uh, for them to be mediocre or less than mediocre. You're right. So that's uh, that's what's happening. Um, uh, football Friday night uh, will be coming up here at the top of the hour. In fact, we've got uh, Tim Haggerty and story time right around the corner. Loads of games. I feel like we are at, we are at every high school football game in the city tonight. Bar none. We are well represented. That's just the bottom line. Uh, hopefully the games are as entertaining as all the reporters are here coming up. You're going to get a great preview from all our reporters coming up here in the 6 o'clock hour, and then we'll get some hot action in the 7 o'clock. Man, speaking of entertaining, I hope story time is entertaining. I really, really do. Hopefully Hags has something up his sleeve for us when he joins us coming up next. That's all happening right after ABC 7 News. And then following story time, it's football Friday night. On 600 ESPN El Paso. And welcome back, everybody. It's our final countdown as we get ready to send it off to Bo and Paul and our coverage of Football Friday Night for the expanded 90-minute preview. They're going to take you right up until this man. He is Tim Haggerty, and what better way to get us ready for a busy weekend of sports on a Labor Day holiday weekend than another edition of Storytime. Steve, I'm speaking to you from Reno today, so let's tell a Nevada story. Palisade, Nevada, is now a ghost town in the northeastern part of the state. But in the 1870s, 600 people lived there, and the Central Pacific Railroad passed through. Well, what do you do for fun in a small western town? It's the 1870s. There's no radio. There's no TV. The people of Palisade entertained themselves with fake crime scenes. They knew when the trains were scheduled to pass through town, so the people of Palisade got together, scripted out a dramatic event, and performed it on cue as the train was going by. They'd stand in place, and when the train approached, they'd act out gunfights, robberies, fistfights, battles with Native Americans, all while the stunned onlookers on the train pointed at them. And it worked. Word spread. Newspaper articles appeared. And Palisade, Nevada, became known as, quote, the most dangerous town in the West. In truth, it was a very peaceful place. It didn't even have a sheriff. People in Palisade were just great at acting. How long did this go on until? The phrasing I saw was the mid-1870s. That's when these railroads would go through on a regular basis. They were heading out to California and other parts of Nevada for silver mining. And... It worked out perfectly because not all of these trains would actually stop in Palisade. Some would just blast through. So they had about 30 seconds to act out this play, and everyone was in on it. First off, this sounds amazing. It really does. Because, number one, um, there was no way to really um, tell if this was an act or not because, number one, some of the trains wouldn't stop, and number two... Uh, this is long before any real accurate reporting. So I can imagine that when horrified onlookers thought that there was serious <laughs> crimes happening, next thing you know, they tell everybody else and you're known that, man, Palisades is the is the place where uh, where anything could take place. Exactly. This prank wouldn't work these days because yeah. we have our smart smartphones ready to record things. Or maybe you could call somebody, you could call 
Palisades Police or Palisade newspaper or something. But back then, you're exactly right. You're on a train. You have no way to tell other people in the moment. All you can do is tell the people that you're on the train with, tell your family, tell your friends, maybe write a telegram to the newspaper. You won't believe what happened when I was in Nevada. And over the course of a couple of years, this picked up steam. And various papers around the country wrote these stories of gunfights in Palisade. The truth is it was all staged. Adrian, this could be the most brilliant thing I've ever heard of a town doing on their own. They did a great job too, Steve. I'm a fan of props. I'm a fan of special effects. Well, the gunmen, uh, in, in this case, all the actors involved, they were only firing blanks, and they even used animal blood from the slaughterhouse in the town <laughs> to improve the effect. So I love this because they took it to another level. Now, the funny thing is, guys, maybe you all know a couple investors because Palisade, Nevada, was recently uh, somebody recently tried to purchase the land for one hundred fifty thousand uh, back in the mid two thousands, you know maybe that land appreciates now, but maybe we could find some investors. We can go back out at Palisade, Nevada, and we could start uh, doing this show week in and week out for people to stop in and, and visit. Yeah, because the truth is, we don't have trains probably going through the town anymore. Now maybe you've got cars that are still driving through the area. So, Hags, could you imagine if word spreads, they reenact for cars coming through, and uh, <laughs> essentially at a certain time every day, there's always a fake crime that uh, goes down in Palisade. Yeah, revive this tradition. And if you think about it, that's why the train was the best method, because you can't just stop and turn around a train the same way you might a car. Um, it did make me think about options. Is this able to be repeated today? And on a smaller version... My young son and I like doing this. Uh, as we walk into his school, there's this area where some other parents have their cars parked as they're dropping off their kids, whereas we walk a little bit. So he'll turn to me and say, hey, pretend like we're really mad. And we start, like, waving our hands and pretend we're shouting at each other. And our goal is to get the other parents to look. Or sometimes, you know, Carson, my son, he'll, he'll point up to the sky and say, it's a UFO. And we try to get the other parents, not with us, to look also. Um so he would like this story. He would love this story. Sounds like this is like right up his alley. By the way, in case you are wondering, because I'm sure you are, we have gone through the list, and there has never been a Major League Baseball player born in Palisade, Nevada. I was hoping I'd be wrong, but apparently it has never produced a big leaguer, unfortunately, Tim. Yes, uh, there have been some great major leaguers from Nevada, but that's interesting. None from Palisade. Yeah. Of course, uh, Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant from Las Vegas. Um, you know, speaking of that, do you remember the Chihuahua Colin Ray? You interviewed him one time. Um, pitched from the major leagues with the Padres, the Brewers, the Marlins. Anyway, he's from this tiny town in Iowa. I mean, like a couple hundred people. And it's also the hometown of Hall of Fame pitcher Red Faber. So it's like this tiny town of a couple hundred people in rural Iowa, and they've got two major league pitchers from there. That's wild. And by the way, apparently, here's another interesting thing. Apparently this was Palisades and Palisade. And you know what's even crazier? You never even went into the possible uh, story that this could have been an assassination attempt on the life of President Herbert Hoover in 1932. 
because Tell me more. What are you talking about? Because apparently, shortly before Hoover's train was to pass through the town, one railroad inspector said he encountered a vagrant by a trestle with 22 sticks of dynamite. Wow. And uh, that was no play, no acting on that one, huh? No, apparently they were looking at possibly uh, trying to blow up the train with the president uh, back in, uh, what, 1932. So, boy, this town has got all sorts of fun attached to it, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe we should buy it, like Adrian said. Adrian, you might be onto something. Now, 150000 is kind of low end, but maybe if the money is right and you do the right thing with it, you could have a field day with this town. So we get a couple investors, build a little, I don't know, amphitheater or something like that out there, get, hire some actors, and we got a well-oiled machine out at Pal- in uh, Palisades, Nevada. That's true. That's very true. By the way, we almost had a, uh, a reenactment of something wild last night in Reno, didn't we? When the Chihuahuas had a 12-1 lead going into the last inning, and then all of a sudden, Nevada made uh, Reno made it a little too close for comfort. Yeah, that was uh, quite unexpected in the bottom of the ninth inning. The final score was 12-8, but you're right. The Chihuahuas in the bottom of the ninth inning led 12-1, to and the tying run came to the on-deck circle. Oh, my God. And the interesting thing was the first batter of the inning struck out, so it was... 12-1 Chihuahuas, one out in the ninth, nobody on base. And uh, Reno um, really made a run out of it. But nice win for the Chihuahuas in the big picture. Uh, had 19 hits, so they hit a lot better. And uh, they've won last night after dropping the first two. So tonight, game four of the series, uh, Aaron Lacher's on the mound for El Paso, has pitched well lately, so maybe they can even up the series. I hope so. Um, as we wrap things up with you, just out of curiosity, do we know how far Palisade, Nevada is from Reno? A long ways. Okay. Um, Palisade is in the northeastern part. Reno, we're right on the California border. I would guess you can't get there in sooner than five hours. All right. Um, well, so much for uh, you driving up on your, uh, your free time to try to check this town out. So, well, we gave it a shot. Tim, good stuff as always. We'll look forward to the call tonight, a little bit later at 730, and we'll talk to you again when you get back in El Paso next week. Okay, talk to you then. Get ready for Football Friday Night, folks. It's coming up next as uh, we send it off to Bo Bagley and Paul McKinnon on 600 ESPN El Paso.